Oh, Jesus Christ. Always positive. How you doing, son? Oh, I've been mulling this movie over, sir. I've yeah, been trying okay. to crack it. Mm-hmm. So it's basically... I'm writing this other movie, and mm. it'll be out in a few years, called The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, sure. Mm. Yeah. But I kind of want to make a kid's version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. kind of just like an introduction to money laundering. Um, you know, like I got, I got, I've got to cut you off, son. This sounds like a fantastic picture, but i got to be honest <laughs> with you. I no longer am the CEO of Southern Studios. I... I am now the barista in the uh, the the lobby coffee shop. Oh well, that's very lucky because I am no longer the head writer for this studio either. That's great. How about you and I? This business is too tough. If you, uh, if, if I'm being frank, why don't we why don't we find some different work that we can do? Hey, I I'm sorry for uh, for budging in. Uh, I have a very specific pitch for a movie. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Is if, if uh, your pitch is about a latte, I can help you there. But if it's anything else, I mean, I, I can't, I can't greenlight a picture anymore. Uh, the pitch is: kid gets a blank check from wealthy mob-connected uncle. Kid then fills in one million, and when he cashes the check, the bank thinks he's a front for the mob. And then, like, you know, that's just the pitch. Uh, you guys can fuck up that pitch as much <laughs> as you want. I just you want a, I want a million dollars for that idea. That's all I want. You know, Are we good? You know, that is, Anybody? that is a pretty good pitch for a movie. I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cuh fucking chick. Wow. <laughs> Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies. That's right, Justin. We are just three little boys who uh, fancy girls that are twice our age uh, who like to talk about movies that were inappropriate for our childhood when we saw them uh, for one reason or another. Like 1994's erotic thriller, Blank Check, starring a bunch of people who are no longer in the industry. (laughs) <laughs> as usual yeah and uh and today we are lucky to be joined by uh, a friend of mine actor writer poker beast morgan Ritchie. hello everybody i'm very glad to be here thrilled yeah we're happy to, to have talk you about yeah this fabulous movie <laughs> <laughs> uh morgan you picked blank check I did, yes. You want to go ahead and tell us your relationship to this wonderful film? Yeah, it's complex and deep, mm-hmm. my relationship to this movie. In fact, I realized uh, upon watching it again that there's like maybe a very deep Freudian aspect to the way that I think about my whole life <laughs> from watching this movie <laughs> too many times as a six-year-old boy. Uh, I saw this movie, I don't know, I don't think I saw it in theaters the first time I saw it. I saw it uh, definitely on VHS and I owned it on VHS. And from the time I was like six, which is when it came out, until I was probably 10 or 11, I must have watched it 50 times. Wow. Like, it was a real go-to movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, it was one of those movies, it was like, it, was like it, it felt like it was written by a little kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a little kid's fantasy. What if you just stumbled into a million dollars and then just bought a bunch of toys and video games and, and ice cream and whatever? Um, so I only ever really connected it in that way to my childhood. And then as I've gotten older and I've watched it a couple times since, including recently for this podcast, I realized it's like a very dark kind of weird movie with some profoundly inappropriate things yeah. uh, that happen, um, which I maybe always chalked up to it just being the mid nineties when, you know, when it was an anything goes environment. Seemingly. No, there's a weird vibe anytime that kid and karen duffy mm-hmm. are on screen together i think we just dive yeah. right into it which is yeah. yeah well that's that's the main that's yeah. really the takeaway that's the main thing that that everyone walks away from yeah from watching the movie. and so. i i'd never seen this as a kid so i'm watching it 
uh, as a middle-aged man. <laughs> and that first scene of them together, she's giving him fuck me eyes. I yeah, mean, yeah. just flirting, from the start. Flirting. Right from the jump, she's flirting with him. It's it's really, that I did not remember. Yeah. I remember, you know, the, the the later stuff that happens. But, like, from the second he walks up, she's kind of giving him a vibe like, oh, who's this <laughs> Who's this also, roller at the bank? Yeah. <laughs> not not to mention, like, this is before she, as an FBI agent, has any interest in this kid yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. This yeah, is just, just a kid. kid. <laughs> like, she's not trying to, like, get information from a child who does not have $200 to his name. Yeah. She yeah. is just like, yeah, uh, check. I, I love looking down when I look <laughs> yeah. at a man. Yeah. That's the they thing. really they give you that angle of her eyes yeah. just going right into it. Yeah, and there's, like, a couple uh like upskirt angles not for the audience uh, but for the kid of like oh yeah. yeah like in the water fountain and then in the limo yeah there's one angle where he's in the pool in the little cadillac the pink cadillac mm -hmm. and it's just like a shot from behind her where it's just her bare legs mm -hmm. in heels yeah. and his eyes coming back the other direction i was like damn i did not remember it being this overtly suggested. yeah <laughs> yeah people uh, when I did a little research before watching it, I mean, people do hone in on that kiss at the end. I mean, and it is Ooh. a kiss. Yeah. It yeah. is turned heads kiss. Yeah. It's like a slow moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is it. We're feeling this vibe. But that it's it doesn't start and end there. This whole movie is like, I think she wants to fuck this kid. <laughs> yeah. There you you can definitely uh, go backwards and just say like no, uh, she's trying to get information. Yeah. Uh, the, no. the the kid is the one who's just like, hey, what's the shortest guy you've dated? What's the yeah. oldest yeah. guy you've dated? <laughs> yeah. But when it comes down to it, uh, he just says like, when can I? Uh, <laughs> when's the next time I'm gonna see you? And then they negotiate yeah. on like when it is proper for them to like reconvene. Like this is going down. Yeah. As, like the oh, yeah. they they are they are going to a state where it is legal for him to be 17. And like yeah. things things are popping. Yeah. Well, I love that they set they settle on six years after all. Yes. Yeah. He, he said she says ten. He says five, seven, six. <laughs> And I'm like, he's still going to be under 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No matter how you cut it. You're, yeah. you're going to be like 40 yeah. and then he's going to be like 16. Yeah. The Mary Kay yeah. Letourneau story. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then some other yeah. stuff happens happens in this movie, but that, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. It's just yeah, some really... casual federal crimes. Just like... Yeah. Well, also like the, the, the whole like way that he ends up getting the money the fact that Miguel Ferrer, like the opening shot is basically like, it's like a Michael Bay, mm -hmm. you know, 90s, the rain's coming down. Miguel Ferrer has apparently escaped from prison, but that never seems to come up. Nah, again. nobody cares. We, yeah. we don't even know movie. what he's in prison for. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no idea. He's able to find, he luckily is at the prison that's right near where he hid his money. In the floorboards <laughs> of this abandoned place. And his tools are still there for him to break it open, you know? Yeah, what's it? It's Hillsdale... Indiana, which apparently has is its it own. Yeah, it's Indiana. There's a bunch of license plate a lot, shots. A lot of Indiana plates. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Indiana has its own Rodeo Drive that nobody knew about. Like, like <laughs> where is he going shopping for all this shit? Yeah, the sharper image and you the know. mall. Every mall was That's, like that back in the day. It seemed That's a little so funny. The the entire thing is filmed around texas yeah like even yeah. even the castle uh was eventually purchased by robert rodriguez oh, and right? so yeah it was yeah uh he lives there now um apparently uh it it started as just a water tower and then uh -huh. people just kept expanding on it i wonder if he still got that uh water slide in there you know <laughs> Was yeah, that, was, uh, that a, was that a feature? Yeah, I feel like once production wrapped, they were just like, "Well, uh, we don't really want to give away this racetrack. We might as well <laughs> yeah. like it. It fits the backyard so well. Let's yeah. just leave it. It's the final touch that everyone wants." <laughs> the On other, a castle house. The other disturbing uh, aspect of this movie is this family is shitty. Every yeah. adult yeah. in this movie is shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone treats this poor kid like shit yeah. for no reason at all. His parents are extra shitty. Like, yeah. Yeah. the fact that like his dad's like, you gotta be an a entrepreneur. That way your brother's gonna have your room. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah it didn't make and any steal, sense. And steal your no money, too. Yeah, and steal your yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, but also he didn't adhere to his own principles because 
at some point the, the older brothers are leaving and he offers he's like do you guys need money yeah it's like well they have jobs or something i thought yeah. i thought the whole thing was like get a job so you have your own money and then yeah. you're punishing this kid the script was terrible no, no, yeah. no. You got to spend money to make money. A penny <laughs> yeah. saved yeah. is Apparently. a penny earned. Uh, uh, According I, to James Redhorn. I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the father has conflicting ideas. Yeah. Of, <laughs> and then they're all what, shitty what to each other. At some point, the mom is cucking the dad. He's like, he doesn't know how to eat <laughs> pussy. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was one thing that I thought was crazy. It's like, I remember, you know, the Karen Duffy aspect being like, you know, obviously very intense and suggestive, but like, Right from the beginning, like sex is on the table in this in this children's movie. They are getting straight into sex stuff right I, uh, from the opening scene. I definitely wrote this down. Uh, uh, they he he gifts the extra computer from uh, from his office to the older boys who have hand and foot incorporated, mm -hmm. which. No, no real uh, premise for a corporation mm -hmm. other yeah. than the little dance that they do uh, yeah, in a circle. Yeah, that's product, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he says, uh, software in here will teach you how to do everything but make love to a woman. And then she goes, now I know what program to get your father for Christmas. Yeah, he's, uh, we've definitely had sex at least three times, yeah. but he doesn't have a fucking clue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was Am miserable. I, right, <laughs> I, was I was asleep when you were conceived. <laughs> Jesus. Jeez. Yeah. It's dark stuff, man. Also, I don't know what did you want to name a company hand and foot industries like in the height of the foot and mouth disease. Yeah. Right. Era. That was the first <laughs> thing I thought. You're not gonna get very far with what whatever this product that you're selling is. <laughs> and so we have Miguel Fier Ferrer? Ferrer. 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 Rest, Ferrer. rest in peace. Yeah. He just yeah. passed away yeah. uh, last year. Last year, two years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. I think two years ago. Yeah. Uh, a couple of George Clooney uh, connections here. One, that's his cousin. Oh. Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I think uh, after she was done with the kid, I think Clooney and Karen Duffy were uh, banging. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, who wasn't in 1994 yeah. with George Clooney? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The one thing is that the 90s always looked like, God, it was so much fun. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. we lived in this surveillance state where everyone tattles on each other. Seemed yeah. like a good time. Uh, this yeah, where you could... Yeah, go, please. Well, no, just it, the fact that he's able to convincingly just be like, oh, yeah, Mr. McIntosh is just, uh, he's in a meeting right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you would never be able to get away with that now. No. They'd be like, give me his number. I got to text him. Yeah. What's his Facebook? You know? Also, why is this uh, child the project manager on <laughs> yeah. movie? He's his financial advisor, <laughs> yeah. he says at one point. <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. I feel yeah. I feel like also one of the hanging questions uh, for most of most of the online discourse is why the father obviously like he he's very uh, uh, capitalist minded and he wants his son to get a job. But he's just like, oh, this uh, this adult uh, who is paying my child uh, to come live at his place. <laughs> I've mm. never met him and neither has my wife. There's never there's never like a moment where he does anything about it or <laughs> asks mm. questions beyond his inner circle. He's just like, I'm going to let this continue happening. <laughs> well, yeah, this is a very this is a very pre-Catholic Church revelations yeah. movie. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Nobody nobody would let that go down now. Well, Meanwhile, little little does he know it's the FBI agent that's molesting him. Yeah. It's not Mr. McIntyre. <laughs> ah, yes. McIntyre was a red herring the entire yeah, exactly. time. Well, this movie's yeah. like, uh, especially at the end, is so Home Alone-esque. Yeah. Yes. That it feels like they're like, oh, what if we just redid Home Alone? But he's not alone. <laughs> you know, like, he's yeah. next door. Yeah. Which is like, well, that's fine, but now you have all these logic problems that Home Alone mm -hmm. solved by just having nobody there at all. Right. right. Also, what if we did the end of Home Alone, but just didn't have him prepare to actually do the Home Alone? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he he's got to take incredible. down. He's got to take down three bad guys. He doesn't know they're coming. He has not set up traps. Uh, there are no like tacks on the floor or like broken glass or like a uh, a hung up paint can. He's just going to be like, well, I bought stuff. Uh, it, this should work. This should work for this purpose. Also, how yeah, when he take. Yeah, please. When, when he takes down the banker guy with the virtual reality head, I'm like, man, he's just like turned this place into like a torture chamber yeah. of yeah. the mind. In like fucking six days or whatever, you know, the whole movie takes place over six days. This six kid days. is able to do all this. Yeah, how hard is it to find somebody in Hillsdale, Indiana? 
Yeah. <laughs> like just stand in the middle of town. You'd be like, oh, there he is. Like eventually that, they will drive by. Well, also there was never like Miguel Ferrer escaped and there's never a manhunt for him. Never a manhunt. Just, it's right. never brought back just up. He's just like, like dealing with a realtor, like sexually molesting her yeah. and like assaulting her. And nobody's like, oh, who the fuck is this dude who just showed up out of nowhere? It's- he's definitely not on the run. And he's just like, uh, the his first move is just to put his name on <laughs> on like a deed yeah. to a house. Yeah. Immediately buy he's a like, house. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stay yeah. put for a very long time. I'll leave a huge paper trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that That would be in the papers. <laughs> like, a, like a real estate yeah. deal. Maybe that he bought the yeah. castle. Yeah. Maybe that prison has like he a. Like, the most, oh, he bought the most like recognizable yeah. house in the fucking town. <laughs> oh, did you hear who also, bought the? Uh, oh yeah, he's also wanted by the FBI. I was gonna say, what if he's the, the prison just has like a policy, like if you escape, good, good on, on you, you. Good, good on you, you. Oh, boy. Good. Good. best of luck. Yeah, there's also oh, God. There's so much. I mean, how did this fucking? This has to be one of those movies we've talked about in past episodes. They were channeling drugs. This is not a real movie. Yeah, this is right? a blank check of money laundering. They were moving <laughs> yeah. shit around because <laughs> yeah. none of this it's makes... a hide in plain sight situation. None of this makes remotely any sense at all. Why are the two other guys also trying to find the kid? What do they give a shit? Who cares? I mean, the, the banker, like, either he's going to get killed or not, but wh- whatever. And Tone Loke is like, he was like a delivery guy. Once he's done, you'd be like, I'm out. You know, like, what is he doing there? I will say that as a kid, I thought that Tone Loke was like one of the coolest people on earth because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that voice, wild thing, man. Mm -hmm. I loved it. This movie, I don't know if you guys looked this up. This movie came out the same weekend, got trounced, by the way, but the same weekend as Ace Ventura. Meaning, if you were friends with Tone Loke, that was a fucking amazing weekend. Yeah. Like that's that probably the weekend, weekend they still talk about. They're like, remember wow. in the fucking April of 94, you know, like jet set. Oh my everywhere? God. He was king of Hollywood yeah, for king. one weekend. Yeah. Number one and number three movie in the opening weekend. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You do know the guy. So this was a, the guy who wrote this script is that guy, Blake Snyder, who wrote that book, Save the Cat. You know, yeah. that was like, oh, yeah. it's like did, a yeah. screenwriting Bible for a lot of people. I forget that that's his thing. <laughs> Is that yeah. true? God, throw that book away. Yep. Yeah. That. Seriously, just watch Blank Check and you'll learn why you never need yeah. to read that book. That's a, but he got a, so funny. a million dollars. A million dollars for the script, they said. I'm, for this uh, script. I'm very glad that you brought that up. Uh, Blake Snyder is uh, the most successful, or at, at least dubbed so, the most successful uh, spec script doctor in the world. Uh, his first film was Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, which he sold for 500k. He sold this movie for a million. He also sold uh, a film uh, called Nuclear Family uh, to Steven Spielberg and Amblin uh, Entertainment. Um, he went on to sell uh, 13 scripts total, but many of them did not uh, actually get made. The only two that got made were Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and this one. Um, I actually wanted to give you guys the title of uh it took some digging so i assume you guys don't know what these movies are about mm-hmm. i'm gonna give you the title of his other movies and i want to hear some pitches uh for what keep in mind this is the guy who did save the cat and so like you you lead strong you basically like give uh give the title uh but should already be in the seats uh these are like yeah. high concept pitches uh he sold to universal a script called Third Grade. What is Third Grade to Universal? We need some pitch music. Is it not just? Like, is it not just like Billy Madison? Like a guy? Uh, ding, 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 fucking ding! Uh, because wow. wait, what? of an... a, wait, what? How's uh, that a pitch that gets butts in the seat? Remember that mo- other movie? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think it might have been uh, previous previous to Billy mm. Madison. Uh, but the pitch is because of an error in his school records, a disagreeable man is forced to go back to school for 15 days. Wow. Okay. Wow. I get that. Uh, so pissed when Billy Madison yeah. came out. 
Uh, this one, uh, I feel like uh, both uh, Mike Post and Morgan Ritchie are going to have a field day with. Uh, this one is called Poker Night. Mm. Sold to Disney for 550K. Wow. Sold I'll to give Disney? You, I, I will say of, of uh, the Save the Cat parlance, this is a block comedy. Which block means comedy. It, what does that mean? A, a block comedy. It uh, it all takes place uh, just uh, in one location. It's just a uh, like a, a family block, like uh, the, a block that you live on is oh, where like it, it. There's not a lot yeah. of company moves. Like the, it, like it's the sort birds. of like like, like the, bur- the birds. Mm-hmm. Poker uh, night. Poker night. Five hundred fifty k to Disney. Five fifty. Men uh, in a poker group are not allowed to play poker, but try like running errands to each other's houses and playing. That's good. I'm sorry. That's not a ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no ding, 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 no. No ding, ding, ding. Any other guesses? Um, a, a group of kids decide to have a poker night to make a lot of money to save the rec center. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that, nice. that definitely does work for the Disney theme, but I'm yeah. sorry. That's no ding, ding, God, ding. Damn. By the way, uh, real quick. I think a good movie would be the opposite of what Justin said. A bunch of people have to save the golf course before they rip it up and put in a rec center. Like, fuck that rec center. We love playing <laughs> yeah, golf. Fuck, the, fuck those kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. I wonder, is it, like, is it like a Miguel Ferrer type, like shows up at their poker night, like a, like a, ga- a gangster whale, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like into this guy and they got to figure out how to fucking deal with it. They all owe them $100,000 by the end of the night or something. It's it's honestly a really good guess, but I'm afraid, no ding, 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 Poker Night is happy-go-lucky husband slash dad loses his house in a poker game while his wife is away and must get it back before she returns. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'm only going to give you guys one more. Uh, it's called Big Ugly Baby. <laughs> Now, what could that be about? <laughs> this is a script that sold from the greatest spec script person of all time called Big Ugly Baby. Uh, Danny DeVito has to hide out. He's in the mob. <laughs> and he has to pretend to be a baby. <laughs> well, That's good. That's family. definitely better than what it is. Like Sister, like sister Act, but a baby. Like Sister Act, but a baby. Yeah. What are you looking at? I'm a big baby. <laughs> I would see that movie. I yeah. shoot that sketch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow, I'm a baby. <laughs> uh, perfect, uh, perfect pitch. Uh, I wish you would bring some of these pitches into our elevator pitch sketch at the top <laughs> of our show. Unfortunately, uh, Big Ugly Baby uh, is of his model, The Switch, which is like the prince and the pauper or trading places. But okay. instead of a baby, it's just an alien that switched at birth. A oh, big, wow. ugly baby. And the baby's in space now? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the yeah, baby's a baby raised by aliens. The baby's raised by so the baby's like gonna be Superman. Yeah, but the big ugly baby is just gonna be I don't know, Elf. like the guy from yeah, he's gonna be Alf. Yeah, I gotta I say, think, I mean, good for him for selling these in the room. Maybe he was magic. Yeah, maybe he was like he just came in and and could convince you. And um, and also rest in peace, he's dead. But these yeah. all sound terrible. Well, you know what? They all yeah. sound they all sound safe. These are it safe. Sense. It's very yeah. coherent. Uh-huh. It, it goes yeah. with the title. You, you're seeing the poster in your head. You know, I'm sure he had taglines for all of them. You know, hey, I definitely it, I read an exciting. interview with him, and it it seemed like uh, his modus operandi uh, was definitely just like uh, when I pitch a movie, you should already see it in your head, and it's yeah. because film is a cooperative experience. And so as the writer, you're basically like just giving the kernel and everyone involved along the way is just going to be like, oh, fuck yeah. And then there's also going to be this scene. And so you you just want the director to get excited. You want the dumb producers to be like, I also have an idea because that's a very obvious like premise. Yeah, the weird the the one weird executive is like, yes. And then there'll be a scene where the 32 year old woman kisses Mm -hmm. the 11 year old. (laughs) I can see it already. That, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I've never read Save the Cat. So is it all just about pitching? Because 
where's the rest of the it's, movie? Like, I it's don't about see story. It's about story structure and like, yeah, and it's it's it makes it's no less... sense compared to this movie. <laughs> Yeah. It's but, it's less about genre and it's more about like what type of movie it is. So that uh, it's not a horror film. It's a monster in the house movie. And yeah. so what he does is he breaks it down minute by minute, the uh, certain amount of beats that you need per page even. Sure. And so, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's less of a three act structure and more just like a uh, a screenwriter's guide where it tells you like you need an opening shot in the first page you need uh another thing the next 3 pages then you need like a statement of purpose in the next 5 pages and so like it 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 goes down the down the line where like all is lost and uh and so it became when the book came out in 2005 i think it became just this tome and for 10 years every movie that came out was so formulaic because it was down to the page number, the different beats that you watched happen. Sure. And this movie does adhere to that for the first 30 pages or 30 minutes. There, there's definitely a first act in here. And then the second act is like, I don't know, just montage. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah and it's like every beat kind of has that feeling of like being super <clears throat> structured, but it just, a lot of them just don't, go with the other beats that have already happened yeah like the thing at the end where miguel ferrer is like i'm mr mcintosh and you're like oh yeah i get that that beat as like a screenwriting beat sort of is interesting and like makes sense but then in the larger structure of the movie it's like mr mcintosh was a guy who's made up six days ago yeah by a 11 yeah. year old boy miguel ferrer is an escaped convict already <laughs> right like it doesn't matter that he's mr mcintosh they miguel, should already be looking for this guy miguel ferrer also bid against himself if he yeah. is mr mcintosh to buy to buy the house which is uh what led uh, what led the FBI to uh, the initial deal, which was uh, the love interest, like looking at a bill under a black light and it's saying FBI in gigantic letters. Yeah. I was like, that... is that how they mark bills? That can't be it. Yeah. So did, so did Miguel Ferrar steal FBI money un unknowingly and then bury so the it? Ba the banker says, yeah, I guess, because the banker looks at the bills, Biederman, uh -huh. by the way, let's, I, we should respect the name. Thank um, you so much. Uh, he looks at the bills and he's like, these are obviously marked. They're, they're super easily traceable. And then the whole thing is that he's going to take the traceable bills and then he's going to give Miguel Ferrer untraceable bills the next day. But then when uh, Preston shows up and he ends up accidentally giving the money to Preston, seemingly it's the same traceable bills because that's what Preston uses to buy the house. Yeah, if you yeah. were the banker, what are you going to do with those bills? Yeah, he's like, it's really hard to launder money these days. <laughs> yeah, so why so, take, a, take on the yeah. task? I'd be like, yeah, why don't you just call the police, bro? You already fingered him in court once. What are you <laughs> also, yeah, if you would have been like, yeah, I can launder this for you, but you're not going to get a million dollars. You're going to get seven fifty because that's what it's going right. to cost to get yeah. clean bills. Yeah, but we've all seen Breaking Bad. That's how it works. You know, like, yeah, right. You got to be a businessman. Uh, so I, so I do think that Biederman thinks he's given clean bills, uh, but uh, when. Preston sees the girl running around the neighborhood, which I guess is what the FBI does. Is yeah, that's how they surveil people. <laughs> that, that's the easiest way to surveil. Uh, uh, I think uh, she says, oh, it's just some kid from the bank. And the guy in the van says, like, yeah, well, uh, what about Biederman? So I think I think they they know that shady things are happening in the same way uh, that Miguel Ferrer says, like, we're going to launder things just like the old days. So he he escapes. He comes back to his roots. And so that's probably why they're under surveillance in the first place. Okay, so Hillsdale is just like an absolute hotbed of financial crime. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> FBI office is just working overtime in this town. It's a hundred-man team in a, you know, 30,000-person city. Yeah, I mean, the, the jail only houses one person. It's Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> yeah, he escaped, and they're like, constantly. well, yeah. he got out again. <laughs> Let's bring him in, boys. Exactly. Yeah. This movie is hard to watch. Is there, a, is there another movie that has a cast list of, oh, yeah, that person? As much as as, as much as this one, tough. This is yeah, like, oh yeah, the guy from the Burbs. Oh yeah, Miguel yeah. Ferrar. Like these are the stars of the movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the little baby Keaton from Family Ties. 
Yeah, I know. A VJ. Who's, who's, who's had a rough go of it, by yeah. the way. I don't know. We want to get into that. But I was like, did they shoot this movie all on Christmas? Like, was nobody else available? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody just had two weeks. <laughs> I mean, it must have been, the shoot must have been insanely fast. And it was like a $13 million <clears throat> movie, yeah. so. But I mean, they were handing out money for fucking fat, ugly baby. I mean, this Hollywood was just giving it. <laughs> that was all real money in this movie. All the property yeah. was real. Everyone money. put that money home. That's everyone's per diem was in that backpack. It, I, Which, by the way, you're putting a million dollars in a kid's backpack and like ten dollars yeah. bills. Get out of here. No way. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that fits. We we also know he uh, specifically did not request large bills. He requested yeah, he regular bills. bills. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the regular stuff. Uh, and he's like, it's going to take five backpacks if you <laughs> yeah, just want regular bills. We need to get you a Briggs truck, kid. Yeah, they're uh, so heavy. Money's heavy. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's also, uh, back to the sexuality, uh, where, uh, uh, he's trying to make his escape and Tone Loke goes through the hallway and runs into him dropping the backpack because he is just fucking hound dogging. He is just like, Mm -hmm. kid, you ruined my view. Uh, and like my, I guess my question, uh, for everyone involved is, how much do you think is actually slipping past the viewer? Because they've done their best to just be like, hey, uh, uh, your dad can't fuck good. Uh, This guy is just checking out asses as like random uh, clerks are bending over in the hallway. Like, uh, what do you expect? Yeah, he was like basically about to grab that woman's ass in the hallway. And then he bumps into the kid. And it's also like, he was about to bust a move. I mean, they should have gotten yeah. a young MC. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, here we go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Thank you. <laughs> when Miguel Ferrer sexually assaults that realtor. Oh, it's brutal. It's so jarring. It's like yeah. not it's needed really at up. all. I, for, for a second, I was like, oh, this is his girlfriend. Like, who's been waiting for him. Yeah. But it's not. It's just some random woman who was the realtor. This, yeah, it's yeah. the behavior of somebody who is not on the run. Like again, he's yeah, just not right. laying low. I don't, I, yeah. I don't understand what's going on here. I do think it is kind of a theme of the movie, though, that like sex will make you do very stupid things, and you'll miss out on fiscal opportunities because of your desire to get laid. Even if you're an 11 year old boy, you know, <laughs> you'll spend you'll spend the last year money on a 31 year old FBI agent, mm-hmm. taking her out, taking her out for like little langoustines, I guess, the little tiny lobsters, and then you'll be looking at that big board that he has at the end where it's like $332 left. And you're like, it was a backpack full of cash. Yeah. Like, what is this accounting software running yeah. on? <laughs> I, think, I think going uh, going to our first... It's not just a scene, but more of just a question overall for what is the point of this movie? Because it appears to be just a love letter to capitalism where just like the only way to buy happiness is, uh, is with like a boatload of cash. That is the way to make friends. Like he, uh, he at the end is just like he he has a comeuppance where he's like, oh, my uh, my limo driver actually left me. Everyone only wants to be with me for my money. Money didn't fully buy happiness. Uh, and so I'm going to go back home to my family like that's that's where you have the turn of just like, oh, it's uh, it's uh, money can't buy you happiness. Happiness is in your uh in, in your friends that you can't get rid of your family, but uh, the family has shown no love no. whatsoever. No. They're still the same shitty family who does not like respect him, like only liked him because he had money. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, he's just like, uh, <laughs> I wrote it down. Uh, where is it? Uh, what else do I want? I got everything I need right here. And that like, that is the one line that Preston as a child actor, he's great. That's the one line that didn't ring true. And then he looks at the FBI agent and he's like, on the other hand, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. There is one yeah, more who already, thing. Who already established. Like if you come back with 200 bucks, I'll suck your dick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Come back in six years with $200 and you're on kid. Wait, so well- the lesson, the lesson of the movie is that like money can't buy you happiness. 
uh, like happiness is found in family, but he finds himself with his family who hates him. And he's like, uh, I don't know yeah. that girl I that I found I because of money. The true <laughs> lesson was there is no happiness, only money. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is miserable and just trying to make enough money to survive all the time. Yeah. I, and you can like maybe find some way where for a little pretend week, that's not the situation yeah. in your life, but it will always all come crashing down. This may, this movie made milk money look like it had like good <laughs> family values. We should mention there was a other screenwriter, Colby Carr, sure. who sure, continues yeah. Give credit where it's due. Yeah, who continues uh the cable boys tradition of one and done. You do one thing in Hollywood and you're like, I'm fucking out of here. They're laundering money. This woman wants to fuck a kid. Like <laughs> like this is not for me. Like the, he wrote this movie and we never heard from him again. Yeah, I think I think Colby was the co-writer on a couple of those pitches that sold. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, he did not he did not parlay that into a book that actually made him successful. I think he, yeah. he, he took I can out. definitely see you walk away from Black Check and you're like, we got to keep this going. This is a really <laughs> great thing here. <laughs> um, to go to Tone Loke for a second. His character name is Juice. Is that a reference to OJ, who was hot around 1994? I mean, oh, interesting. He was or big. Is it to the movie Juice, which was also big around that time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Or do it we was, think yeah, it was a, like a year before? Was it just for that joke uh, for Brian Bonsall to just be like, "No, I'm not thirsty. I'm good." Yeah. <laughs> that scene is actually like a, it seemed like a like a, a, a great example of like kind of like adult like noir writing, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> Where guys are going back and forth and they're not really saying what they mean and whatever. And then you're like, no, it's blank check. They definitely weren't thinking about yeah. that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we talk about, uh, can we do our first share? So the, the, the limo driver who drives this little pipsqueak around uh -huh. is played by character actor uh, Rick Dukamum? Dukamum? Mm -hmm. uh, Dukamum, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also dead. Um, oh man, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Long, like long time ago. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, well, wait till you see a stand-up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, most famous for I think playing the neighbor, the crazy neighbor in the Burbs. In Burbs, right. uh, yeah. he's all over the place. He was he was one of the barflies in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Uh, he he definitely has a lot of bit parts that you don't think of him just because he has that face that is vaguely Canadian. Yeah. And uh, just very plain. And so if you think like I don't know, it kind of looked like a combination of Dave Thomas and John Candy, yeah. and you yeah. can't place him. It's him. It's Rick. Uh, yeah. But it's like all yeah. these guys could have been Kevin Pollock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every character he played. Uh, but he, his, he's most famous or, or worked the most as a stand-up comedian. Uh, did a lot of uh, Montreal's Just for Laughs, some other stuff. Kevin, do you want to click on this? Insane world we're living in. It really is. $20 million. This ex-lover of Rock Hudson's got 20 million dollars if i'd have known there was this kind of money in being gay ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i'd have made a different career choice about 20 years ago look i would fuck rock hudson now for 20 million bucks okay now yeah get out the checkbook and the shovel let's make a deal now You're sick bastards, you know that? <laughs> Did you hear now that they're putting pictures of missing gay guys on Vaseline jars? <laughs> and apparently it's just a picture of the back of the guy's head. So Hey <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tim Dillon looks good. Yeah. Um, I, who is gay? Uh, I know. My, I should say my laughter was more about the audacity as opposed to the the craftsmanship of the joke. Yes. yes but, wow. yeah. but not the not the audience's laughter. I think the no, they loved it. They really were enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely it, saw <clears throat> I saw an interview with him. Uh someone someone did a um 
someone did like a tribute video upon his death and had a bunch of clips from his stand up and they uh they basically showed that clip and then they had an interview with him where he was just like you know uh uh stand up comedy is just like the last bastion of free speech mm-hmm. you know like if somebody's going to tell me like what i can and can't say and i'm just like you're not saying anything funny <laughs> you're yeah, just exactly. like yeah you're just I, going I, I, I'm fully aware or of the opinion that it's unfair to take stand up from a different era out of context and, and show it, you know, whatever. Mm, sure. But I, I showed it more because it's at a charity relief. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, That's what makes it laugh that this is for solving homelessness. And this guy comes guns blazing with AIDS jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that, Seriously. That, if this was in a club, I really wouldn't think two things of it. But uh, is that, that what comic relief was for? Yeah, it was it homeless? was it was yeah home, the homelessness. Oh, see, I thought it was like AIDS in Africa. Well, that's even which even worse. <laughs> that would be even worse. Yeah, you might be right, but I, I just it's a charity you regardless. Right. Yeah, and uh, he just came out and mm. he joked it up. Hey, but you know what? He was great in Last Boy Scout. It was good. There you go. Yeah, best part, which also had plenty of gay jokes. Again, different time. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the director, Rupert Wainwright? Yes. Sure, yeah. Not uh, Rufus Wainwright, not to be confused. Not Rufus. Uh, <laughs> no, not uh, Grammy Award winning uh, songwriter, Rufus. Uh, this is Rupert. Um, funny enough, our last episode uh, uh, about Devil's Advocate, uh, Madeline Walter was unsure whether that was the movie that scared her. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh our own Mike Postalakis posited that perhaps uh, it was Stigmata. Stigmata, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, one of the few movies that our own uh, Rupert Wainwright oh, wow. directed. Wow. Yeah. Was it not his next movie after Blank Check, I think? I think he did The Fog and then he did uh, mm. Stigmata or Reverse. But yes, oh, okay. uh, his, his big pictures were this, The Fog, and Stigmata. Uh, besides that, he, he got his start, uh, he's, he's an Englishman, um, and he got his start doing a bunch of disco music videos. Uh, apparently the post house, uh, that he used for those disco videos were in San Diego. And, uh, he only did that because, uh, the, one of the producer's girlfriends worked there and he got a good deal that led to MC Hammer seen at the post warehouse uh he was just like hey i gotta have you as my director it led to a storied career of mc hammer uh nwa too short he did a bunch of uh rap videos he directed uh he directed please hammer don't hurt him mm-hmm. which is phenomenal if you haven't seen it i'm sure you can find it somewhere online uh, it is uh, phenomenal, uh, but yeah, he uh, he is he is this man who just like fell into a directing career. Apparently, the first music video that he got was because another director was just like, "Hey, I can't do it," and I already I told them that you had directed videos before. Oh, wow. Please, wow. I I've asked everyone, please just do this. Uh, so yeah, he uh, Wainwright is. Uh, is like Grammy award uh, winning. Um, and he, he chose to make this his feature debut. Wow. Um, he also uh, recently was on an episode of the uh, reality show millionaire matchmaker, because I <laughs> oh. guess. So things are going well, I guess stigmata and uh, blank check and the fog led to him being technically a millionaire or he has, um, or he has a blank check. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I really do. There's I, Mr. McIntosh, my boss. Really? Yeah, I gotta tell you guys, uh, he doesn't seem like the greatest guy in the world. Uh, this, uh, this is uh, the introduction to him. So what's going on? Who are the millionaires this week? My guy this week is Rupert Wainwright. Rupert. What's Rupert. It? Rupert. Rupert. He is a big-time mega-hit Hollywood director. He did Stigmata. Uh, he also directed the MC Hammer video, You Can't Touch Us. Wow. The highest maintenance clients 
Are all those directors in Hollywood, they think they know everything. If they know everything, then why are they single? He's uh, British, uh, 47, a little bit of an ageist, a little bit of a snob. If he's 47, he likes he's mid- probably a big ageist. Like- all right, next. Yeah. My guy is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Ducommon. <laughs> total, total coincidence. Yeah, from there's no way. There's no way Rupert Wainwright is 47. By the way, well, well, I don't know when this was. Like, from. Yeah, I yeah, this was definitely from a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. it's be, I don't know his exact. He's 60 age. now. Yeah. Also, I I said he wasn't a good guy. Uh, by no means am I saying that Millionaire Matchmaker is a good show. <laughs> yeah, either. it's it's a good program. It's important work they're doing. I like that we uh, laughed at the gay line and somewhere in heaven, Rick Ducommons like, wait, wait, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Double standard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is what he's looking for in a woman. A woman who is interested in my net worth before we go on a first date is a bit like me asking her for naked photographs. Unless she wants to show me naked pictures of her, in which case I'll gladly have my accountant send over a complete portfolio of my net worth. In a perfect world, the woman that I would want to date is exactly 29 and three quarters forever. You are divorced. I am divorced. Oh, shocker. <laughs> Real surprise there. Wow. She turned 30. That was the problem. <laughs> what a specific age. Yeah. I, yeah. Three quarters. I love pervy British people. Yeah. They, they're just so upfront with it. Yeah, but they also sound so educated and smart. <laughs> and then when you like are listening to the actual words they said, you're like, oh, you're a real creep. but yeah he uh he is very into younger women he's just like i uh i get along with 25 year olds uh more than i do uh 39 year olds and you know that that's totally fine it's just it's it's also that everything coupled with it was just like i just want a tall blonde who uh can talk to me and that's pretty much it and uh the episode goes on um where uh, she's just like, like the matchmaker is just like, Hey, um, do your best just to not talk too much. Just, uh, just to like, listen to what she has to say. And, uh, it is just wax and poetic, just like nonstop, mm. just like trying to impress her, never listening to this poor, uh, Russian woman who he goes on a date with. Uh, and yeah, uh, unfortunately love did not work out uh, mm. for sweet Rupert. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, o- it's always good when the matchmaker is saying to you, don't be yourself. Yes. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> don't say anything. Please don't let this woman learn anything about you. We'll bring up that 29 and three quarters again. I don't know what the fuck that don't is. Don't say that again. By the way, Morgan, uh, I just, uh, I'm looking at my notes and I just wanted to apologize. You were absolutely correct that Stigmata was his next feature mm-hmm. after Thank Blank you. Check. Uh, I, Stigmata I was, know my Rupert Wainwright. Don't you dare. <laughs> Stigmata was 99. Uh, the Fog wasn't until 2005. I was all mixed up. And wow. you're I, a genius, and I'm sorry. I also <laughs> glanced at your notes. Do you want to bring up Phantom Menace, dog? <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> the champion of Phantom Menace coming to his rescue. Uh, is, this a fa- is this a Phantom Menace apologist podcast? Is that what this is? <laughs> Uh, we're we're skipping ahead uh, to the reviews section. Oh, uh, I see. <laughs> if you want to talk no, about that, no. should, uh, should we go? Because I'm not going to figure out that uh, James Dean reference. Uh, no, I'm not going to watch the movie again. But there was some sort of weird acting <laughs> choice where it 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 got methody, and I can't remember yeah, well, what it once, was. Once he starts wearing those sunglasses, it's like he becomes a totally different person in the movie. When he's up in the top of the tower and he's looking down like Jay Gatsby and everybody's showing up at the <laughs> at the party. You know, he's like the Phantom of the Opera at his own party. <laughs> it gets very dark. He gets very interior and small towards the end of the movie. And then he's jumping off a tree with two oversized uh, boxing gloves on. And yeah. Bonking Miguel Ferrer on the head. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's got a weird vibe without. I, 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 w- I wasn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if it ended similar to Todd Soledin's happiness, <laughs> yeah. if anybody's seen that movie and knows the last line of that movie. Yeah. It's only like two <laughs> degrees away from a Todd Solon's movie. Uh, so this kid, uh, Brian Bonzel, uh, Preston Waters, who I think Morgan alluded to as having a rough time. Uh, he started out great. 
Uh, he was five years old. He was cast in Family Ties as the youngest child, Andy Keaton. Uh, he won three Young Artist Awards. Um, uh, from there, he went on to be on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as... Uh, <laughs> Worf? As Worf's son. Um, I think as a young kid, he was uh, compared a lot to Macaulay Culkin. Obviously, like, this movie was Disney's response to Home Alone. Uh, He was quoted as saying, I don't think I could compare myself to Macaulay Culkin because we're pretty much two different kinds of actors. He's done a lot of comedy, and I've done a lot of different stuff, like sad movies, like the movie about the kids with AIDS. Um, oh. he, so yeah, he's, <laughs> the Rick, okay. Rick DeCurum comes in. Hey, yeah. oh, look at this. Hey, let me tell you, you want to talk about kids with AIDS? <laughs> he, uh, he definitely did a couple TV movies and, uh, some, uh, uh, some darker stuff. But I, I think what we hit on a lot with this podcast is people who do a movie and are done. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this movie in 1994 in 1995, he retired from acting. Yeah, he just... Mm-hmm. Uh, so he moved to Boulder, Colorado. Uh, he became a musician. Uh, and our own uh, friend of the podcast, Brian Straka, uh, who was a resident of Boulder, Colorado, uh, said that he was a regular uh, at, at the campus in Boulder, as well as just the punk scene in general. Uh, but sadly everyone would just go to his concerts and just yell blank check in between every single song. Oh, uh, what about your dicks? Why? Yeah. What are you expecting? <laughs> like, Be- because you, you find out like the kid from blank check is, yeah, is in, you say it once, maybe, but yeah. after every song, it's like, it's not free bird or like say like a, a quote <laughs> up from the movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clearly there's just something about this kid. Everyone hates this poor guy. This no poor matter guy. where he goes. In the movie, everyone hates him. It's crazy. I mean, something had to have happened if you were toplining a Disney movie and you just peaced out. Yeah. Yeah. Like what something had to go down. I mean, we again we we talk about this a lot. And I'm I'm really now like thinking, like, what is crazier? This path, like you're like, oh, I'm like the star of a major motion picture, and I'm gonna quit and never be heard from again. Or you're like Corey Haim and you just fucking grind it out for another 20 years and it never, like, it's insane, literally insanity. It never works out. And you end up, you're like, you and your mom are in a studio apartment in the Valley when you die. Like, what is the better option here? Yeah, there's a lot of stories of, like, these kids who, especially boys, it seems to, like, at this age, just disappear. But I think it's because, like, they've been working for so long. Like, he's been working almost his entire life by that point. I was probably mm-hmm. like, I kind of want to be a kid. It's like the kid from uh, Body of the Navigator. He did mm-hmm. like one more movie and then disappeared. And we need to do that because that dude's story. He robbed a bank. Wow. <laughs> That's where that ends. <laughs> he, he, yeah, stole a Navigator. Yeah. Well, it's weird because you kind of like, it's in some, the fact that he's had such a sort of seemingly troubled adulthood. It's interesting because it to me, like quitting acting at whatever 13 or 14, however old he was at the time, and being like, I'm gonna move to Colorado, I'm gonna get out of this. I'm like, oh, so you're like a reasonable person, you can see mm-hmm. that the future is gonna be a huge nightmare, and you just are gonna, you know, why do that with your life? But then he seemingly he just went nuts in Colorado instead of Hollywood, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he, uh, which I don't recommend, he became a punk musician which is just a bad it's a bad path for anyone yeah uh, it's probably the only it's probably the only move down from child actors <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh but it i mean it it has it has a a sad journey in that uh he assaulted his girlfriend and then he like hit his best friend multiple times in the face with a broken stool uh and then uh, he was arrested on marijuana charges that were uh, in violation of his parole. But by 2016, he had been clean and sober uh, uh, for six years. He was quoted as saying, my drunken run-ins with the law are about 10 years behind me, so I'm pretty happy about that. I'm not proud of my past mistakes, but you live and you learn. And dude was the guitarist for the Ataris. Yeah. Mm. 
Granted, oh, it, it was not the Ataris at their height, but like he was in enough punk bands that like the Ataris were like, hey, Brian, come play with us. And so he played for a couple years with like a major touring pop punk band. His current band is Sunset Silhouette and they sound good. They, mm. They're like, they're a, a legit pop punk band, if that's what you're into. And so, yeah, like, uh, he, he definitely dedicated himself to a, to a different craft. He realized he wasn't an actor. Uh, and he just, I, I think he got caught up in like the idea of what a, uh, a punk rocker needed to be. And so he got like a big butterfly tattoo on his neck, mm-hmm. but like. But uh, uh, fortunately, Brian seems like he's figuring some stuff out. And we at the Cable Boys wish him well. Sure. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And if the flight of the Navigator kid ever gets out, t- good time served, uh, we wish you well as well. We're all about recovery. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. <laughs> Take also, care of yourself, guys. Uh, also, OJ Simpson, uh, we wish you well. I follow, I follow him sure. on Instagram. I've, I've messaged the, the, ori- the original juice. The original juice. <laughs> the original juice. <laughs> I've messaged him twice to be on my other podcast. I'm waiting, uh, waiting response. Do you guys know where the name Tone Loke comes from? No idea. Couldn't even have. Is this a new pitch session? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Guess Tone Loke. Guess Tone Loke. Yeah, it's it's just cute. He he used to be a member of the Crip Gang, uh, and his friends called him uh, Antonio Loco. Or crazy Anthony. Yeah. And so Tone Loke. So what you're Tone saying, Loke. Tone Loke's definitely killed someone. I absolutely, yeah. That's <laughs> has either killed saying, someone or been participated in a murder. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying that there's blood on his hands and we the cable boys forgive you. Yeah, Tone. we're we're true. Yeah. We, yeah, no judgment cares? on this podcast. OJ, if you want to yeah. come on, if you got we'll talk about naked gun. I don't care. I don't condone yeah. anything, but you know, the past is yeah. the past. OJ. OJ is innocent. Tone Loke is definitely guilty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's just to hell with all this. OJ killed both them people. All right. Let's go to reviews. Roger Ebert did not review this on his website, but he did uh, talk about it in a segment. And he said, the, mo- the movie fulfills every little boy's dream of unlimited spending money as the young millionaire lives it up. Blank Check is a good-looking movie with a high energy level, but boy, is this screenplay totally misguided. It starts with a promising idea, which is that the boy wants to impress his materialistic family, but trades that in for a tired old story about how he's chased all over town by three bumbling bad guys. His relationship with a sexy FBI agent feels forced and awkward. It would be more fun if he was trying to impress a girl his own age. The movie avoids all sorts of good comic possibilities and settles for the easy way out. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. As always, succinct and accurate. Roger, he really gets yeah. it. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, we will go to our heralded segment. Everyone's a critic. Catherine from Amazon.com gave this movie one star. Catherine writes, blank check movie. Good to watch as a kid. Cheesy to watch if you're an adult. Justin, are you pulling a tubing? What are you doing there? Oh, I'm shaking my leg. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. It would be appropriate on the blank check episode <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Unwanted sexual advances. <laughs> uh, Catherine, who called this movie cheesy, Gave five stars to Zillion Shiatsu Back and Neck Massager. Oh, speaking of pulling a tubin. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine writes, perfect. I bought this for my boyfriend, and now this product has become his second girlfriend. Ha ha. He oh. takes the Zillion Massager everywhere with him. He jokes that he wishes he could strap it on his back. I have used this massage pillow as well, and I have to admit that it's pretty awesome due to its portability and smooth kneading nodules. I come home every day to find my boyfriend asleep on the sofa with the massager on. This product is the Shiatsu 
Pun intended. People are a nice. wordsmith, Catherine. God, people are losers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it feels good, but I mean, I would be if I would break up with that girl if I was like, you left a review about it. Don't yeah. say that on the yeah. internet. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Just put four stars. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything. Just order the fucking thing, and I'll fuck it. But well, like, like let's keep it in house. So I'll strap it on. You strap it on. Whatever. All these people are people who see it say write a review, and they th- think they have to. They all they think like, to. "Fuck, I, I can't get it off my screen unless I do it." That's part of the contract. Also, she should be like, "Get a job." Like I come home and you're laying on <laughs> you're the couch. You're asleep on the couch at four o'clock every day. You, you fuck the furniture. Like, get a fucking job. Jesus Christ. Uh. Uh, we also have Colin Stein chipping in. Uh, Colin Stein gives one star and writes, Karen Duffy holds up. The rest of it is not how you remember. Phantom Menace has better child actors. Mm. Wow. Okay. Colin Stein also gave five stars to Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> better than Phantom Menace. But oh, just wow. That's big. <laughs> but just barely. So we so we have a we have a what is it a, a median right yeah. we have like a <laughs> phantom menaces <Yeah>. here baseline <laughs> yeah check worse. it yeah it it reminds me of that tweet no. uh, that makes the rounds every now and then that is just uh, in parentheses. A uh, guy who has only seen uh, Boss Baby uh, watching his second second movie and saying, "I'm getting a lot of Boss Baby vibes out of this." <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah. We're children. Uh, <laughs> this this nation uh, can yeah. only relate things to things they've seen before. Uh, anyway, that has been reviews. Shall we head on down to pop 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 corner? All right, I'll give this movie. So last time we criticized ourselves for having too much dead time between mm-hmm. stuff, Thank like you. vamping to try to come up with something, which we're not doing Good. right now. Like we're just gonna. We, which also post could have easily just like cut out the silence. He could. That's like that's yeah. another couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give this movie an overly wrought uh, direction to make popcorn. So you, somebody's like, "Oh, this is the best <laughs> recipe." So what you do. Is you get this popcorn, okay, you, get, you can't just use regular popcorn. You have to get this, like, organic whole popcorn because that's what it says. And you have to, and that's, like, 50 steps, and you finish, and you're like, it fucking tastes like popcorn. It's not very good. Uh, why did I have to stick to these steps? And the person's like, because I wrote the steps. And you're like, well, if you wrote them, you should break them. And mm-hmm. they, don't, they can't understand that. And then they, um, then they die. Yeah, they pass away. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to give this film uh, me eating popcorn. And uh, then I realized, like, I didn't wait for this popcorn to pop. And I'm an adult who is just putting these young kernels in my mouth. And it's very inappropriate. <laughs> young kernels. It's a good improv team name. Kernels. <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't. We haven't done like just uh, spelling in a while, so I'm just gonna yeah. go with uh, C O R core. Oh. oh, wow, wow! I like it. Great, Morgan. Does any of that make sense? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded good. <laughs> yeah. So, so popcorner. We give a review to the movie that is mm. based in some way a about popcorn whether it's just the letters of the word popcorn if it's like a feeling that popcorn gives you if it's a memory that has to do with popcorn or Mm. snacking in general and honestly uh we've never been able to crystallize exactly what it is so (laughs) Mm -hmm. you can say literally whatever you want (laughs) okay I might, maybe I'll give it the uh, the letter review. I'll give it a POP. Ooh, wow. Because the uh, Karen Duffy very much pops yeah. yes. in my mind when I think about myself as a child watching this movie and I guess maturing sexually, although I didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watching them run around that water fountain together. I couldn't believe watching it this time that she's literally completely soaked. Yeah, wet t-shirt, like, t-shirt fully contest. Yeah. Wet t-shirt contest. And he's soaked too, obviously. Um, and it's one of like 
three different moments before they kiss where they look like they're almost going to kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so those move, those memories are very, very potent in my head. They, they pop. They in pop. my head, and sometimes they make other things pop. Too, but... <laughs> uh, it's a family okay. podcast. I know it's a family podcast. Uh, <laughs> Morgan, we can't thank you enough. Uh, you have been funny. You've been insightful. Uh, you've been a a kind listener, uh, as well uh, as uh, a guy who talked about a little boy popping his boner uh, inadvertently <laughs> right at the end. And there. I was the little boy. I was the little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be clear. Let me be clear. Let's not get it twisted. Uh, <laughs> FBI, you can turn this yeah, off yeah, right yeah. now. No, no, it's all my. It's all in my head. The FBI is like fair game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morgan, thank you so much. Is there anything uh, that you have coming up, or something that you want to direct our fervent audience towards? Nothing right now. Just, uh, just happy to be here with the cable boys. All right. That's, Fantastic. That's Thanks, honestly very sweet. Uh, yeah. We at the Cable Boys here are blushing. Uh, we thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, if you are listening to us and you don't subscribe, uh, go ahead and give us uh, five stars and subscribe because, quite frankly, that was a five star podcast. Yeah. And if you don't think so, then you can write a blank check to yourself and I will sign it my foot deposited into your ass yeah. because you don't know what you're talking about, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Stop fucking the couch or whatever you're doing. <laughs> stop fucking the little kids. Stop, 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 stop fucking the couch. The, the pillows. You're an adult, man. You got to move on with your life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, we've been the Cable Boys. Yeah. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Cable Boys.